Exodus chapter 28. Exodus chapter 28. As we uh, again kind of continue our theme for the year uh, through different aspects of pre- uh, preparing, uh, preparing into every good work. And uh, we uh, part of what we're doing uh, is looking through the Bible at different things that we're prepared for, uh, looking at uh, different building projects, if you will, throughout the Scripture. And uh, last week we started a Bible study on the subject of the tabernacle. And of course this is a very interesting study. Uh, ever since I was a kid, been reading through my, through my Bible, of course we've come across these there in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, even part of Deuteronomy. And uh, you know, maybe when I was younger I didn't uh, maybe appreciate uh, what those books have to say and the different things about them. But now that I'm older and, and read through there, there are so many wonderful truths uh, that we can pull out from that. And I'm not going to bog you down with this study. I know that, uh, you know, there's a lot, you know, there's a, there's a lot of details, if you will. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to give you some overview of some things, and it will help you see uh, and uh, pull out some phenomenal truths about this. But tonight we're going to look at, last week we looked at uh, some people, the tabernacle. Uh, we looked at Moses, of course. Moses was the man that God gave the plan to. He was the man with the plan. And uh, God expected Moses to make sure it got done, but Moses didn't do all the work. And then we look at the uh, man who was the contractor of the tabernacle, uh, Bezalel, and uh, those that helped him, and how that God gave him supernatural wisdom to have the know-how how to build that tabernacle. And so tonight we're going to look at the uh, one more um, Bible study on some of the people of the tabernacle, and this will, of course, be the workers of the tabernacle, and we're tonight going to talk about uh, the priest and the Levites. So if you find your place, stand with me together in Exodus chapter 28, I'm going to read one verse, uh, begin at least with one verse, we'll look at some more here in a minute, but uh, Exodus chapter 28, verse 1, and the Bible says, and take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. Let's pray. Lord, bless us tonight. Thank you for all you do, God. Thank you, Lord, that all throughout the Scripture, Lord, we see you, Lord. We see your hand. We see your plan. We see, Lord, uh, you, Jesus, and we're thankful for that. Help us, we praise. We uh, open your word for a few moments, and we ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The priesthood. Now, what was the point here, if you will, of the priesthood? Well, back in the Old Testament and in the days of the tabernacle, the point of the priesthood was to bring man to God. And uh, now things are different. We'll get to that in just a minute. But uh, you see, folks, uh, God's original plan was to have perfect fellowship with man. And we see that in the, in the Garden of Eden. And uh, we see how that God would come down to the cool of day and fellowship with Adam and Eve. But you know what? Something happened, and that something happened with sin. And let me tell you something, folks. Sin always complicates, amen? Sin always deteriorates. Sin always causes bad things to happen. And one of the things that happened as a result of sin was man's broken fellowship with God. And man, to me, that's one of the most uh, horrific things about sin is that it breaks fellowship with God. In fact, that, that's even true today. I mean, listen, folks, people who aren't saved are not in fellowship with God. In fact, the Bible goes so, so far to say that before we're saved, we're enemies of God. Now, it doesn't mean God doesn't love. It doesn't mean God didn't provide a way. Absolutely, He loves sinners. But truth be told, it's not a relationship with God before you're saved. But once you are saved, even that relationship can be damaged by sin. 
Now, you'll never sever your relationship with your father, but you can damage your relationship with your father. And so sin always complicates. Well, uh, because of that, the, the priesthood here uh, had to come into play. Because when God chose the nation of Israel, He wanted a way to show them that He was their God and for them to show Him that they were His people. And so God's the one that come up with this thing as far as the tabernacle, the priesthood, and all of those things. Now the priesthood, the office of priest, was restricted to one family. And that family, of course, was Aaron. God chose the house of Aaron and the tribe of Levi, Levi to be the established personnel to carry out the ministries of the tabernacle. All the priestly services performed within and without the tabernacle were for the sole purpose of bringing man to God. Let me tell you something. That's what a lot of the details were about uh, as far as the way everything had to be perfectly, exactly the way God said for it. The priest had to be holy both physically and morally in order to do his sacred duty. And uh, what you find here, and we're going to look at a couple passages here and uh, show you some things about the priesthood. Go to Leviticus chapter 21, if you will. Leviticus chapter 21. Of course, the word Leviticus uh, is talking about, it's all about the tribe of Levi. Thus, you see that's why the word Levi in there. And so that's, if you've ever wondered what that is, that's what it's talking about. Leviticus chapter 21, and I'm just going to read a couple verses here. And I want you to notice here the, the heading of my regarding priests. And I'm just going to read for you the, the first eight verses. Again, I don't, I'm not going to bog you all down the whole chapter. Uh, but I want to read just a couple of verses to you. Leviticus chapter 21, uh, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, speaking to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and saying to them, There shall none be defiled for the dead among his people. But for his kin, there is, that is near unto him, that is, for his mother, for his father, for his son, for his daughter, for his brother, and for his sister, a virgin, that is nigh unto him, which hath had no husband, for her may he be defiled. But he shall not defile himself, being a chief man among his people, to profane himself. They shall not make baldness upon their head, neither shall they shave off the corner of their beard, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. They shall be holy to their God, and not profane the name of their God. For the offering of the Lord made by fire, and the bread of their God they do offer. Therefore they shall be holy. They shall not take a wife that is a whore or profane, neither shall they take a woman put away from her husband. They shall sanctify him, therefore, for he offered the bread of thy God. He shall be holy unto thee, for I am the Lord which sanctify you in holy. And throughout all of this chapter and the next several chapters, you find the detailed instructions of how a priest had to live, and the point between all those detailed instructions was the priest had to live a holy life. Now let me say let me say this, folks. Holiness wasn't limited just to the priest. But if anybody got expected to toe the line, it was his men. Amen. Those that carried out the work of God. And that's why you see all these different requirements and all these different restrictions on the priest. Listen, it was a big deal to be a priest of God. They literally represented God to the people. And because God could not have direct fellowship with man, they were, if you will, uh, in the place of God to the people. Listen, the common man couldn't just walk into the tabernacle and go to the Holy of Holies and gaze upon the Ark of the Covenant. Even the priest had to follow 
very specific instruction. Only the high priest once a year could go into that Holy of Holies and offer the atonement for the people. And if he didn't do it just right, he would be struck dead as well. You say, why is that? Because our God is holy. That's why. Amen. And, and, and listen, folks, God, God, just because we live in a different dispensation doesn't mean God's holiness is still not the same as it was back then. Amen. Amen. And so we see here the priests, and, and they were, they were uh, what it was to bring the people to God. Now, again, there's so many different things that we could look at. And for sake of time, we're not going to, again, I'm not going to bore you, or I shouldn't say bore, but at least get into all those details because there's so many of them. In fact, uh, the, the next couple chapters talk about the marriage of the priest, talks about uh, the, uh, uh, the, the purity of the priest, the different food they had to eat. I mean, listen, folks, this was detailed out down to the very minute detail. Why? Because God's men had an important job to do. That's why. Now, here's the point that I want to bring out to you, because this does have practical application for us today. Go in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And uh, what I want to show you here is that now you say, uh, are there still priests? Well, uh, yes, actually there are. Or you say, what a minute, well, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, I'm going to show you here, amen? And show you the, the transition, if you will, from the old to the new. First of all, we see this in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. Let's look at that. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. Notice what it says here. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood he entered into entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead words to serve the living God. And for this cause, He's the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they, were, they, they, uh, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Amen. Now listen, folks, there was a lot of truth in those verses I just read. Amen? A lot of doctrinal truth. Now listen, folks, the reason there's no longer uh, high priests like there were, and I'm going to tell you about the high priest in just a second, uh, but as far as like there were back in the Old Testament, is because everything was a picture of the great high priest that was one day to come. And by the way, he did come. Amen? And that was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, did you notice here the, the typology between Christ and what happened? Uh, there was a great greater and more perfect tabernacle. Listen, folks, what was that greater, more perfect tabernacle? It was Himself. Amen? Himself. His body was given for us. And not by the blood of goats and calves, by His own blood. Amen? The perfect, sinless uh, blood of the Son of God. By the way, why did Jesus have to die the death He died? He had to die, folks. I'm going to tell you why. Because His blood, all of His blood had to be shed. All of it had to be shed. And it was shed. Amen? Every single drop of His blood was shed for us. In fact, truth be told, I don't know, humanly speaking, if a human being could endure all that Christ endured. But the reason He did was because all of His blood had to be shed. And what He did with that blood, I think I mentioned this to you um, uh, last week, but what He did with that blood, He took it and put it on the mercy seat in heaven. Amen? Amen. And that's why we're justified before God, because the blood of Christ is on that mercy seat. 
And praise God, when God sees us, He doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of His Son on the mercy seat. Amen? That's something we're getting excited about as a Christian. Praise the Lord. And so Christ is our great high priest. And I don't have the reference written down, but the Bible tells us that there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so right now, Jesus Christ in heaven is our go-between between us and the Father. And that's why you can have a relationship with God the Father because of Jesus Christ and what He did for you. Amen? Now, not only was Christ, or not only is Christ our high priest, let me show you something else. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And maybe you've never thought about this before, or maybe even read this verse, but it's here. Amen? 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at verses 9 through 12. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. Notice what he says here. But ye, who's the, who's the ye there? It's us as Christians, amen? But ye are a chosen generation. Look at this next description. A royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness and do his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Again, a lot of truth contained in those verses. In fact, we're going to get to verse 12 on, on one of our Sunday I want you to notice here, back to verse 9, but what are we? What are we described here as? We're described as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. There's a doctrine the Bible teaches we believe and cling to. It's called the priesthood of the believer. Amen? That means this. You don't need any go-between to get to God. Amen? Listen to me. I'm not your priest. Alright? I'm your pastor. I'm not a priest. You don't need me to get a hold of God for you. Now, do should I pray to God for my people? You better believe it. Amen? But listen to me. You have just as much access to the throne of grace as I do. Amen? And listen to me. That Every single one of us ought to have that close relationship with our Heavenly Father. And you can. Amen? Why? Because we are all priests before God. Again, why? Because of that blood that was shed on Calvary and sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven. So are there still priests today? Yes. You know who it is? Every single believer. Amen? And every single just like the high priest, he himself could only enter into the Holy of Holies once a year and sprinkle that blood in there and enter into the presence of God. Listen to me. We can more than once a year, every day, multiple times a day, as much as we want, enter into the very presence of God Almighty. Amen? The same Shekinah glory that the priest would experience there in that Holy of Holies is the same glory we can experience in our lives with our Heavenly Father. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Those folks in the Old Testament, would have, if they would have understood what the dispensation would be of the New Testament age of grace, I mean, they, they couldn't even fathom what we could experience now. Amen? But praise God, what a wonderful thing to be a child of God. Amen. And so the priesthood were those that were God raised up, uh, particularly the family of Aaron and his sons to be the priest and to, to be the ones that literally stood in between God and the people. Now, 
The priesthood wasn't all there was. Because again, folks, God understands that just not one or two people or a handful of people can do all the work. Okay? Thus, we have the Levites. Take your Bibles. Let's go to Numbers chapter 18. Back to Numbers. Numbers chapter 18. I just finished... Uh, are almost finished with the book of Numbers. I've been in Numbers this week and just going through there and, and uh, enjoying going through that book. But Numbers chapter 18, and uh, let's look here at a verse, and we'll look at a couple passages here in Numbers uh, in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 18, and 18, verse 6, all right? And here's what the Bible says. It says this, And I, behold, I, notice here, who is the one making that declaration? It's God, amen? He's the one that's chosen them. And I, behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. To you, they are given as a gift for the Lord to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Therefore, thou, my sons, with thee shall keep your priest's office for everything of the altar, and with hell, and ye shall serve. I have given in your priest office unto you as a service of gift, and the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. And so God tells Aaron here, look, I've given you some help. That's a gift to you. And you know what that is? It's your brother, the Levites. Now I'll say this. Again, as you read through these passages, you'll find out the duties of the tabernacle were numerous. Numerous. I mean, listen, folks, this was more than a full-time job, okay? This was a serious commitment here. You read about all those sacrifices. And again, I won't bog you down with it, but I'm going to get into those. And to offer, I mean, the meat offerings, the drink offerings, the incense, and all that. Listen, somebody had to do all that stuff. Amen? By the way, that tabernacle, I just read this morning in Numbers, where that when God would tell them to move, and it was kind of random, it was based upon when God wanted them to move, His timing on them moving as they traversed through the wilderness. And sometimes it said it would be for a couple of days, a month, maybe a year or more than that, when that cloud would move, that pillar of fire would move. Hey, that everybody had to be ready to go. And that tabernacle and all those pieces of furniture and all that had to be moved. Who do you think did that? The Levites did that. Amen? And they all had the specific job they had to do. Everybody knew exactly what they were supposed to do and how they were to do it. And so the Lord separated this tribe to do the service of the tabernacle. And as you begin to read through there, uh, if, if you're going through this in your Bible, you'll read a lot of this. Now, not only were the Levites to do the service of the tabernacle, they were also to teach the people. Uh, let's look at a couple passages here uh, before I get ahead of myself, and uh, then we'll, we'll get to that part of it. Look, we're in Numbers, uh, number 18. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 8. Numbers chapter 8. Let me show you a few things here. Numbers chapter 8, and uh, let's begin reading in verse 17. Numbers chapter 8, verse 17. Notice what we see here. It says this, For all the firstborn of the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast. On the day that I smote every firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified them for myself. Now again, folks, everything God does is for a reason. Listen, God had a lot of things uh, 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 he was trying to accomplish through that. Part of that was the fact that he sanctified all the firstborn to himself. By the way, you know what that principle is teaching us? That the first belongs to God. Amen? 
You know, I've heard some people try to say that, well, you know, uh, a tithing isn't part of the New Testament. Folks, listen, tithing is part of, of, of God's character. Amen? The fact that He deserves the best of everything. Alright? So, you know, just because you don't find the word tithe in the New Testament doesn't mean the principle's not there. Amen? And so anyway, it's amazing to me how people try to justify not being obedient to God. But anyway, that's for another time. Alright? So we see this, uh, that the, the, the firstborn there in, in um, verse 18. Now look at verse 19. And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron to his sons from among the children of Israel to do the service of the children of Israel in the tabernacle of the congregation and to make an atonement for the children of Israel, that there be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come nigh into the sanctuary. And Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel did to the Levites according to all that the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so did the children of Israel unto them. And the Levites were purified, and they washed their clothes. And Aaron offered them as an offering before the Lord, and Aaron made an atonement for them to cleanse them. And after that, with the Levites in to do the service in the tabernacle of the congregation before Aaron, before his sons, as the Lord had commanded Moses uh, concerning the Levites, so did they unto them. And so we see here uh, that they were sanctified, they were cleansed, they were purified for the work of the Lord. And by the way, folks, again, the, the principles still apply across today. You don't have to be perfect for God to use you, but you've got to be clean. You've got to be clean. And what keeps God from using us is ourself and our sin. Amen? I mean, even to this day, I mean, the verses right behind me on the banner there, there in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 18 through 22 there, all talk about being clean and pure and a vessel sanctified and meet for the Master's use. What's it talking about? It's not talking about perfection, but it is talking about being clean and right. Listen, God can't use a dirty vessel. And He needs for us to, as His people, to this day still be clean and pure so He can use us the way He wants to use us. And that's why you see all this, this washing and purification of the Levites. Why? Because they were going to do the service of God. By the way, God took it pretty serious those He called into His service. He still does today. And listen, we need to stop dumbing God down and live up to God's standards. That's what the world's trying to do. That's what the you know so-called churches of the day are trying to do. They're trying to dumb God down, you know, into some Jesus being everybody's friend and homeboy, and they're trying to dumb down His holiness. But let me tell you something, folks. We don't do that to God. We live up to His standard. Amen. Right. Not try to pull Him down to where we live at. And so the priests, uh, the Levites, uh, were sanctified and purified. All right. Uh, go uh, again back to um, uh, Numbers chapter eighteen. We'll read just a couple more verses over here, and then uh, I'll show you one more thing here. Numbers chapter 18, verse 20 through 32. Numbers chapter 18. We may not read all of them, but let's begin reading here in verse 20. Now what's interesting here, uh, it's talking about the inheritance. It says this, And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part, and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance for their service which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of their congregation. Neither must the children of Israel henceforth come nigh the tabernacle of the congregation, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generations that among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. And then it goes on and talks about how they were to get their inheritance, all right? We understand that when God sent Israel to the promised land, they were to go in and conquest the land. 
And when they conquested the land, they were divide the land according to their tribes. It was the land that God had promised them. And by the way, I don't care what modern day politicians try to say, folks, listen to me, that land still belongs to Israel. Right, yeah. Amen. And that's what that's what's going to bring all this thing full circle. This whole thing you we hear talked about the two states uh, the the two state solution. You know uh, what's the big problem right now in the Middle East? It has to do with Israel and all the people dwelling around Israel, and everybody wants the land of Israel. Amen. And that's why uh, the the Antichrist will come in and broker that false peace treaty and this false peace thing going on. Listen, folks. All this stuff has always been going on, all right? The Bible is just going to complete itself, come full circle. But let me say this, that land has always and will always belong to the nation of Israel, amen? Nobody's going to take it from them, all right? Nobody's going to wipe them off the land. No one's going to push them off into the sea. It ain't going to happen. You know why? Because God said it ain't going to happen. That's why. And you can take that to the bank. In fact, we know it's their land. God gave it to them. One day Jesus Christ will personally come back and rule from Jerusalem, the world. Amen? And so that land that God gave them when they conquested Canaan land was divided among the tribes except for the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi didn't get an inheritance of their own, but they still had the inheritance. The inheritance was this. All the other tribes gave them part of their inheritance. That's how it worked. In fact, I think not that long ago when I preached about Caleb, and remember we preached about how that Caleb took Mount Hebron, and that song we sing, I Want That Mountain, it was all about taking Mount Hebron. And by the way, Mount Hebron was the best of the best of Caleb's inheritance. And you know what you find later on? He gave it to the Levites. He gave his best back to God. And that's how the Levites got their inheritance. From, the, from what the other tribes gave them. Again, it speaks of the fact that uh, the laborer is worthy of his hire, right. and those that serve the Lord are worthy of the reward of the Lord. Amen? It's all throughout the Scripture. And so that's how the, the Levites got their inheritance. They were different. They were set apart because they were, they were the only ones that could do the work of the tabernacle. Now, not only were they involved in the work of the tabernacle and all the sacrifices and all the things that had to do with that, but there was another task God gave them with. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 33. Deuteronomy chapter 33. I'm going to show you two more passages, and we're going to close it out. Deuteronomy chapter 33. And... Um, not only were they, they tasked with the, um, all the things to do with the, with, with the physical work of the tabernacle, but there was another job they had. Let's see here, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33, beginning in verse 8, verse 8. It says this, And of Levi, he said, Let thy thummim and thy uh, urim be with thy holy one, whom thou didst prove at Bashah, and with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah, who said unto his father and to his mother, I have not seen him, neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor knew his own children, for they have observed thy word and kept thy covenant. They, talking about the Levites, shall teach Jacob thy judgments, and Israel thy law. They shall put incense before thee, and hold burnt sacrifices upon thine altar. So here, here's what he's saying about the tribe of Levi. Part of what they were to do was to also teach the children of Israel the law of God. Now again, as you read through these books here, you hear all the instructions God gave to Israel. Listen, they had to be taught those things. They had to learn those things. You know who the teachers were? The Levites were the teachers. They were the spiritual instructors to the nation of Israel. Now, on a quick side note here, notice what it said in verse 8. 
And of Levi he saith, Let thy thummim and thy urim be with thy holy one. Now, you're going to read, as you read through there, the description of the priest. You're going to read that description uh, called the thummim and the urim. Now, if, you don't, if you've never studied that out, uh, it, it's, it, I had to do some study on it myself to figure out exactly what this was talking about. Later on, we'll talk about the priest's garments. We'll talk about the breastplate. We'll talk about how on the breastplate were 12 precious jewels. Each one had one of the names of the children of Israel inscribed upon them. I mean, listen, these priests, uh, uh, they, they were decked out. I mean, this was, that they were, uh, all these precious stones, they represented again the people to God. But part of what they had was what's known as the Thummim and the Urim. And they were two different stones that they would keep in a pouch over their heart. And we'll read about this later on. And that word Urim means light. That word Thummim means perfection. It was known as light of perfection. And uh, there's not a ton of detail in the Scripture about it. But from what we can tell, the Urim and the Thummim Thummim, was a way for God to let them know what His will would be. And uh, have you ever heard the Bible term casting lots? It talks about where, uh, you know, they would, uh, uh, in a way, okay, I, I don't really want to use this illustration, but it's kind of the best way for us to think of it, all right? You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Kind of like rolling dice, okay? But it was God supernaturally uh, guiding them, if you will. And the Urim, and, uh, or the Thummim and the Urim was a way for these stones, God would use these stones as a way to communicate what he wanted to with the children of Israel. Let me show you something. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 28. And this is a little bit of a side note of where we were going, uh, but uh, I think it's interesting. Uh, I love when you go through the Scripture, there's a lot of things in there that maybe you've never thought about before, but uh, God put in there for a reason, of course. 1 Samuel chapter 28. This, of course, is talking about Saul and toward the end of his life. And notice what it says here. This was right before Saul went to the witch of Endor uh, to try to get an answer. But notice what it says in verse 6. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Okay? So, based upon that passage of Scripture and a handful of others, we learn that the Urim and the Thummim was some way God used to communicate to His people. Okay? And uh, you say, well, how exactly did he do it? The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how he did it. All we know is there was these stones the priest would have. They'd wear them over their heart. They mean light of perfection. I don't know if somehow God made the stones light up. I don't know if they, if they lit up, it was a yes. If they didn't light up, it was a no. We don't know exactly. All we know is it was a way for God to communicate with his people. Now, what do you think we could take from that today? Amen? Listen, I'm glad we don't have to leave it up to some rocks in, in, you know, in a pocket. I mean, what if I t told you tonight, I got a couple rocks up here in my pocket, up a little bit, so this is what I think God wants for us to do. I mean, you think I'd be crazy, right? No, listen, God speaks to us in a way more perfect way now, amen? And that obviously is through His Word, all right? And listen, God just has to change the way He does things down through the dispensations, and uh, but still, God's desire is to have a relationship with man. And even though it's been different ways, listen, He's never left us. Amen? He still speaks to us. He still communicates with us. He still welcomes us into His presence just as He did back then. But it has to be done the right way. 
And of course today, uh, He speaks to us through His Word. And so nobody's going to get an answer from God by a couple rocks called Urim and Thummim, all right? But that's how they did it. That is part of how they did it back in the days of the priest. And so the, the Levites uh, would, would, would uh, teach the people God's laws and God's ways. One more passage and we'll close it out. Second Chronicles chapter 17. Second Chronicles chapter 17. <clears throat> All right, and let's look at verses 8 and 9. 2 Chronicles 17, verse 8 and 9. Talking about Je Jehoshaphat's reign. And uh, it says here in verse 8, And with them he sent Levites, even Shemaiah and Nathaniah and Zebediah and Ashel and Shimamroth and Jehophanan, there you go, Adonijah, Tobijah, Tobadonijah, Levites, and with them, Elishama and Johoram priests. Aren't you glad for names like Caleb and Jesse and Elias and Sam and Jeremiah? Yeah, I am. Amen. Now, what did all these priests do? Verse 9. And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. Amen. They taught the people the law of God. And that's part of what they were to do was to teach. Teach the people what God said. And by the way, you know what? Just like those Levites, God has separated all of us to His service. Amen? All of us. Uh, he doesn't just call out a certain group. He calls all of His children to service. And by the way, you know what He wants for us to do? Just what He wants the Levites to do. He wants for us as Christians to read and explain His Word to the world. Amen? He wants us to let people know about thus saith the Lord and tell them what the Bible says. Tell them about eternity. Tell them there's a God in heaven who loves and cares for them. Amen? Why? Because that's who we all are now. We're all called for that. Amen? And so the Levites were the ones that were called in service of the tabernacle. The priests were the ones sacrifices, especially the high priest once a year in the Holy of Holies. And that's how God did it back then. And so uh, praise the Lord for today, the priesthood of the believer, and how God does it now, and how God wants to use every single one of us. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the...